All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Daily Faceoff Show. Today is Thursday, March 31st. We've made it to the end of March. Normally, the first week of the Stanley Cup playoffs would be right around the corner. We've still got a whole nother month of regular season NHL hockey to go. He's Mike McKenna, former NHL netminder, current Daily Faceoff analyst, and we're streaming live on dailyfaceoff.com as well as Twitter and YouTube. Mike, what's going on? I missed you. Oh, I missed you too. You know what? I'm kind of happy that I'm not uh, doing the show tomorrow because it's April Fool's Day and I don't know what you would do to try to get me on air. So that's a load off my shoulders. But this weekend, uh, later today, I'm flying down to Allen, Texas to help coach the Blues Warriors in a veterans tournament down there. So really looking forward to that. But we got more to talk about first, don't we, Frank? Yeah, let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and let's drop the puck with this. Connor McDavid notching his 100th point of the season on Wednesday night for the Edmonton Oilers and their captain, man, he's on another one of those McDavid-like heaters. The first player to hit 100 points this season, the fifth time in his seven NHL seasons that he's hit the century mark. Still kind of blows my mind that last year he did it in a 56-game shortened season. This year he hits it in the game 67. So, Mike, when you look at Connor McDavid and his season, here's my big question. The Oilers, we all know their season as a whole has been a roller coaster, and McDavid's sort of been encapsulated in that as well. There was a big stretch of time where 
for him and his standards, sort of averaging just one point a game, he was rather pedestrian for his standards. When you look at his season overall, how would you evaluate it? Has he met expectations? Has he exceeded expectations? His numbers, as I just mentioned, not quite as good as last season, but he's still kind of hitting his stride, it seems like, at the exact right time for the Oilers this year. Well, he is, and it's been up and down in some ways, but can you imagine only having a point a game and being upset with yourself at that pace? I can't, but it's not McDavid-esque. I think really under Jay Woodcroft, the, the Oilers have been better five on five offensively with McDavid more than anything. Like he's not just relying on power play points to drive uh, what he's doing. And I think it's just so impressive because every single night McDavid's going against the best. The teams are going after him. He is the focus. When you play the Oilers, it's you've got to stop McDavid. And, you know, Dry's Idol is your secondary worry, but it's always him. And he's a guy to me, Frank, that when he sees the checkered flag waving, like he is absolutely mashing the throttle. It happened last year. He, he went on an eight game point streak or eight game, yeah, eight game point streak with 21 points to finish the season off. And he's doing the same now, 21 points in his last 11 games. He ramps up towards the end. And, and I just look at this and think, if this guy stays healthy, what are his point totals going to be over the course of his career? But of course, right now, the, the focus is really towards playoffs. And I think that's where five on five, you look at Edmonton and they've improved. And so has McDavid in that area. And it's going to give them a fighting chance, hopefully, if they get into the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's one of his most special qualities is that it seems like his game is at its best when the games get harder to play later in the season. A little bit of history for you. Connor McDavid is the sixth player to have five 100-point seasons under his belt by the age of 26. Some pretty special company, all those guys in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And, you know, the interesting thing about McDavid and his game, I thought he had a chance to get to 150 points this year. He's on pace for about 121 or 22 if that maybe answers my part of the question on sizing up his season. Not disappointing by any standard, but certainly maybe not exceeding expectations. Maybe we call it meeting expectations. I was hoping mm -hmm. that he'd be able to continue to add to the goal-scoring nature of his game as well. He's on track for 45 goals this season, which would be a career high, but I was wondering if he could be a 50 goal scorer and you look at the rocket Richard race. Now you've got Leon Dreisaitl at 49 goals, Austin Matthews at 49 goals. They're both knocking on 50, the, the door for 50 goals this season. Where are these guys going to end up? Is one of them going to end up touching 60 this year? And if you had to pick one, who would your money be on to win the rocket? It's an easy pick because I think it's going, it's going to be, Austin Matthews at the end. And I do think he's got a realistic shot at 60 goals. If you want to take that uh, into account with what Toronto has left, they've got four, uh, they've got 16 games left, Frank. He needs 11 goals. And you looked at Dry's idol, there's 14 games left in Edmonton, and he'd need 11 there. And just by the way that Matthews has been pacing this year, it seems like he's most likely. And I think a big part of that has really been the play of Mitch Marner. I mean, 43 points in 25 games since the All-Star break for Marner. He's been driving play uh, at a rate that maybe is the best in the NHL. And I look at Matthews, and he's mostly been scoring five on five. Okay, he's had two power play goals in the last couple of months, and he's had some over the course of the season, but he's driving play five on five, and Dry's idol is more power play dependent. And as you know, power plays can kind of ebb and flow, man. You'll get hot for a while, you'll cool off. So 
Could Drysdale do it? Yeah, I think so. But the consistency of Matthews and the people that he's been playing with in Toronto, especially Marner, I think that gives him the inside track at the Rocket Richard. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I I would take Matthews. He he's just got this next level ability, and you look at goals per game, it's incredibly special what he does. And not to sleep on Drysaitel and the season that he's had. It, you know, he's still been a monster as well for the Oilers. Wanted to point out one thing as we look at this top five here, and it's how quiet Alex Ovechkin has been. You know, this is mm. not an opportunity to slag on Ovechkin, you know, in light of what these other guys are doing. But you consider the start to the season that he had. If I'm not mistaken, he had something like 20 goals in the first 19 games. Well, he's got 42 now. That means he's got 22 in the last 45 or so. So it's definitely been a slowdown. Has father time caught up to Alex Ovechkin, or is this just the ebb and flow of the season? I think so. I mean, Washington started off so hot. I could see I could see Alex picking it back up. I could see Kreider making a push as well, but he's had some in the secondary scoring and pick up some of the load in New York. And, you know, I, I just think it's fun, the interplay that's been between Matthews and Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl said after the game last night that, man, he, I can't help but watch what Matthews is doing. It's so impressive. So these guys are definitely keeping track of one another. And, uh, you know, I don't think Ovi's going to catch them. But, yeah, Ovi has definitely fallen off and we're not talking about him as an MVP candidate anymore when early in the season, he was definitely in that mix. Well, with a little less than 20 games left, he could go on one of those other runs that he had to start the season. Like he's fully capable of that. So you don't want to totally count him out of the mix just yet. That's a lot of ground to make up though. But if someone's capable of it, it's certainly Alex Ovechkin. Uh, Can't wait to watch this rocket race go down to the wire game 81 game 82 of the season to sort it out and it'll be fun to see some records fall as Austin Matthews chases the Toronto Maple Leaf single season record at 54. So yeah, let's talk about the New York Rangers and what their team has been like since the trade deadline. They're rolling right along. You look at some of the guys that they've added. Uh, when you look at Frank Vetrano, that was a little underrated pickup at the deadline. And Andrew Kopp, not a lot of people were talking about Frank Vetrano uh, for a fourth round pick. But he's come in, has been excellent, five goals in eight games. Andrew Kopp has been really good as well. And then you've got a situation where, you know, another guy that's sort of lurking in the weeds is Tyler Mott in terms of his addition as well. What do you make of the New York Rangers since the deadline, a team that has now passed the Pittsburgh Penguins in the standings in the Metropolitan Division? Uh, Looks like they'll be hosting some games to start uh, the series in the playoffs. Well, they've won five of six since trade deadline, so it's making GM Chris Drury look really good right now. And I tell you what, when Frankfurt Toronto went from the Florida Panthers to the Rangers, I said, man, do not sleep on this. This guy's been a 20-goal scorer. He can shoot the puck as well as anybody. He was my kryptonite in pro hockey. I couldn't stop him. I remember talking with his old teammate from UMass Amherst, Joel Hanley, defenseman in the Dallas organization. He said, nobody could shoot like Vetrano that he'd seen. Well, you're starting to see a bit of that. And it, part of it's because he's played an elevated role. He's got great chemistry with Zabanajad. Uh, it looks like they've played together forever. And you've mixed in Kreider, who can fly on that line. It's been great for Vitrano. But Frank, I think the Andrew Kopp ad is potentially looking like one of the best so far at the trade deadline. He's played all three situations, power play, penalty kill, even strength. Look at the point production, seven points in five games. He's a perfect Gerard Gallant type of player. Goes to the front of the net, plays hard, creates turnovers, all of those things. I think Drury's done a really nice job at finding players that fit within the mold of the coach and the makeup of that club. And they did it without having to give away a whole lot. So I, I'm really impressed with what the Rangers have done. 
Well, part of that is that it sounds like the coach at least has input. Maybe he's not the guy making mm -hmm. the calls, but at least Chris Drury's listening to him saying, what, what is the type of player that you like? Who fits in with your group? And I think that's one of the big things that's sometimes missing when you talk about a coach-GM relationship. Obviously, there's communication there, but sometimes the GM is building it in terms of his vision and how he sees it. And then that player is a square peg in a round hole for the coach who's filling out the lineup card. And sometimes there can maybe be a little bit of friction there. You know, I, I just really appreciate when you look at Frank Vetrano, the addition really without having to give up much for the fourth round pick that we talked about, but GMs that find pressure, pressure situations. You think back to the Florida Panthers. This is a move that they had to make for salary cap considerations. And had they known about the mm -hmm. Aaron Eckblad injury, they probably wouldn't have ended up making it. They liked Frank Vitrano, wanted to keep him, but knew that they were going to be going after a guy like Claude Giroux to bring him in and fit him in. And the Panthers were originally asking for a second. No one steps up to the plate to bail them out with their cap issue. The Rangers slide in and get him for a fourth. So uh, some tidy business there by Chris Drury and the Rangers. But let's talk about the other trade deadline additions, Mike, and the guys that have fit in well to this point. When you take a look at this list of guys and how that they've produced since they've gotten and joined their new teams, Claude Giroux stands out five points in four games, all apples. For me, Mike, it's Ricard Raquel. You think back to last year's deadline and the Pittsburgh Penguins, they added Jeff Carter and what a pickup he was, how he fit in quite seamlessly. I watched Ricard Raquel's first game with the Pens, and I was like, wow, this guy is so noticeable. He really seemed to fit in perfectly, playing on a line now with Evgeny Malkin. Uh, they may be getting Jason Zucker back uh, tonight. He's a game-time decision. You can see their lineup card on dailyfaceoff.com. When you look at this group, who stands out? Well, I'll, I'll definitely agree with you on Raquel. I mean, I, I'm even thinking to the end of the game against the Rangers the other night, and he's playing goalie, making saves against the post with an empty net. Like, he's bought in, man. He looks energized. Uh, had a great goal on the rush. But I, I think Giroux is really fit. And it's not surprising because he's been such a consistent player throughout his career. The Florida Panthers should have known exactly what they were going to get, but there's always apprehension of if that's exactly going to play out. And it has. And Giroux, for me, yeah, it's all assists, it's not goals, but two have been on the power play. He's killed penalties for the team. He's been able to switch between center, right wing. He's He's been perfect fit for that club. And as you said, it took a little bit of cap wrangling to be able to make space for him. And, and also credit to Bill Zito. When Aaron Eckblad went down, he went out and grabbed Robert Haig, a defenseman, to fill in some space on the back end with the Florida Panthers. So uh, I thought they were great managing the cap. I also really like uh, what even what Giordano has done in Toronto. That team needed some veteran presence on the back end. I know he's not on our list, but he's made a really positive difference. Same with Nick Letty in St. Louis. That team looked really good the other night, and Letty's starting to now play an elevated role with that club and really start to fit in. Yeah, I, I look, we'll talk about Marc-Andre Fleury in a bit in our next edition of the Blue Paint. You know, love seeing the the fan interaction with him already in Minnesota. People throwing flowers on the ice, bouquets of flowers after games. He's had a near flawless start. But I wanted to give a little love to Max Domi with the Carolina Hurricanes. 
you know, we talk about value ads with Frank Vetrano, like Max Domi ended up being essentially free. You can get this guy for free 99 on deadline day, as long as you get the trade in by 259 Eastern. They didn't have anywhere else to send him. Carolina says, you know what? We'll take a chance. This is a team that has found value everywhere. You know, there's there might be some talk, and I, and I think John Tortorella on ESPN was saying, you know, previously having coached Domi with the Blue Jackets saying, you know, this guy, in so many words, he was essentially saying is a locker room cancer. Well, I don't know. That doesn't scare the Hurricanes. They took on Tony D'Angelo. They took on other players that they've added to their group. When you trade half, like basically next to nothing to get a guy that just a few seasons ago had a 72-point year, those type of guys, you never know what happens in the playoffs. You get one or two goals from Max Domi in an important spot, and you've won easily without even having to try. Yeah, and there's one person that's in charge of all this in Carolina, and it's certain those are the culture and how things go, and it's Rod Brendamore. Everybody you hear talk that's played for him would go through a wall for him, and he cultivates that personality of the team, and Domi's fit in. His numbers going back to Columbus this season, some might look at them and say, oh, well, he's had a little bit of a disappointing year. His numbers per 60, the numbers that he's put up in limited ice time have actually been right up there in terms of the best of his career. So Domi is a name to watch moving forward. Let's get to that next edition of the Blue Paint. Let's get some goalie talk going. All right, Mike, it's time for another edition of the Blue Paint delivered by DoorDash. Mike Logan Thompson has become the guy in Vegas with the Golden Knights, at least until Robin Leonard can get a little bit more healthy. Leonard on the bench last night as a backup, so it seems like he is knocking on the door. But you take a look at Thompson and his record in the month of March. Does he give you some confidence that he's a guy that, in case Leonard isn't back to 100%, could carry this team in the playoffs? I think he's made every case that he possibly can. He's given the Golden Knights a reason to believe that they're still in the playoff hunt because the team is. And it's because Logan Thompson has come in and won games. Laurent Bressois, his play was okay, and then he was hurt. And more or less, the Golden Knights had to go to Thompson. And he's got a three-year deal kicking in next season. Two-way the first year, one-way the next two. I think he's going to be a Golden Knight next year. Listen, he's He started seven straight games, Frank. And that makes a difference because as an NHL goalie, you start to turn that corner where you feel like you're an NHL goaltender. The game slows down in front of you, which in turn slows down your own game. And I've seen that with Thompson the last several. Uh, last night, he had his first shutout against the Kraken. And after the game, he was asked by Vegas play-by-play -play radio guy, Dan, the Sicilian soundbite, Duva, uh, what about his glove hand and his glove saves? Well, in a playful way, he threw it right back at me because apparently he's either read or heard my scouting report that his low stance uh, might be a tough part of his game. Well, it came right back at me. Uh, and, and I love that about him because Thompson's had to prove people wrong his entire career. Okay, you can see if you listen to McKenna's goalie scout on me, it's my low stance. I have to have a quick glove. And I love that. I heard the soundbite afterwards. He was playfully laughing through it. Uh, he's always had to prove people wrong. And the bottom line here is that he's got a 920 save percentage in 11 games for the Golden Knights. The team is believing in him. And with Robin Leonard coming off IR, who knows what's going to look like here. But Thompson's done his job in Vegas and done it very well. 
By the way, also signed to a value contract with the Vegas Golden Knights. Mm-hmm. Thompson has three years left on his deal at under 800,000 bones moving forward. If you can get that type of production out of him backing up whoever it is next year playing in tandem, geez, for a team that where every dollar counts, uh, that is a big, big deal. So, Mike, we've checked in on your goalie tandem rankings all season long. They, it's a moving, living, breathing list. And you just updated them recently pre-deadline. If you were to do it again post-deadline, would you have a new number one tandem at the top of your list? I would, and it's the Minnesota Wild. Picking up Marc-Andre Fleury at the trade deadline, a major coup for a franchise that was already pretty strong in goal. Cam and Talbot had done a good job through most of the year. Kakanen had been up and down. He gets moved out to San Jose. But now you've got a one-two punch in Minnesota between Cam Talbot and Marc-Andre Fleury. And that team's won eight straight games. Hottest team in the NHL. Goaltending's been fantastic. You have to think that Cam Talbot loves this pressure. It's not pressure. It's excitement. Like he's got to fight for his position in the crease. He's had to do it all along. He's the NHL's reigning first star of the week. He went three and zero with a big win against the Avalanche. And I think for Talbot, it's it's been something of an up and down year. He was hurt for a while. He was an NHL All Star, but man, he's got eight straight game, eight straight wins. And you look at his numbers over that span. They're flawless. There's only been one start that he has allowed more than two goals against, and he's got big wins over the Golden Knights, Bruins, Rangers, Avalanche. And then you factor in, you got Marc-Andre Fleury right next to you. I only think the interesting aspect of this going forward is what happens come playoff time, Frank. I think it's going to be a true battle. You may even see both of them in the playoffs. And I don't think this is very different than the situation the Golden Knights had when they had Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury. They've got good options in net, whether it's Talbot or Marc-Andre. Look, I I don't think the Minnesota Wild give up a conditional second round pick that can become a first unless they're thinking that Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be their game one starter. It's a pretty significant price to pay when you were the only team that was really in the mix to get him. And his start with the Wild has been fantastic. A 948 save percentage in two games. Talbot's been good. No, No shame in going to Talbot, but I'd be surprised if Fleury ends up not being the guy on opening night of the playoffs. So, Mike, one of the real interesting things to watch over the last five weeks or so of the season is what what goaltenders out there have gone about and created a market for themselves. The game of goaltending musical chairs, it'll spin again pretty quickly once the things start to heat up in the summer, either through trades or through uh, free agency. Who's one name that stood out to you as someone that's generated a market for himself? I think it's Scott Wedgwood. You know, earlier this year, I think we had Anton Forsberg on the list as somebody who had done that. Well, he did. He cashed in. He got a three-year deal from the Ottawa Senators. Good for him. But I take Scott Wedgwood and his kind of roundabout uh, career. You know, he was drafted by the Devils when I was in that organization. Never really worked there. Kicked around the minors in a lot of different places. And he, this is really the only his first or second crack at being a full-time NHL goaltender, and he's responded to it. That team in Arizona, where he played most of this year, after a few games with the Devils early, claimed off waivers by Arizona. Team wasn't good. And he went 10-12-2 for the Arizona Coyotes with a 9-11 save percentage. And he created a market for himself for this year, and I think moving forward, because Dallas needed to address the Braden Holtby injury. He's on long-term IR. Anton Hudobin's out for the long haul. So you had Jake Ottinger, and that was about it. You bring in Scott Wedgwood, and I understand he's only played one game for the Dallas Stars, but it was a huge start. 
a 4-3 shootout win over the Carolina Hurricanes goes 44 for 47. And you need those performances. He's 29 years old. It's the second full NHL season. I would have to think that somebody over the course of the offseason is going to give Scott Wedgwood a contract that's going to get him full-time status in the NHL, turning 30 years old, and he's earned it. So I'm happy to see it, Frank. It's been a long career and always mask tipping those goalies that keep grinding. And Scott Wedgwood's one of them. Yeah, the wedge wall certainly qualifies. I bet the New Jersey Devils, Wedgwood's played for three teams this season, started with the Devils, a little bit of a shaky start with an 880 save percentage. He ends up sliding over to Arizona. The Devils are in a spot where they didn't really want to keep trotting out Nico Dawes, 21-year-old, to finish out the year under that type of scrutiny and pressure. And so you bring in Andrew Hammond, of all people, uh, that goes from Montreal to New Jersey. He's working his way back off of IR. I bet the Devils are wishing at this point that they had still had Scott Wedgwood. So he ends up in a spot where he could be end up playing some playoff games, depending on how things go with Jake Ottinger. Certainly full marks to Scott Wedgwood for the work that he's put in in his career and this season getting that opportunity. This has been another edition of the Blue Paint delivered by DoorDash. You see the promo codes there at the bottom of your screen dfodd if you're in canada dfodd if you are in the united states that gets you 25 off and free delivery on your first order you're like me trade deadlines over just got back from florida at the gm meetings i don't want to cook doordash all your favorites and more delivered right to your door love the blue paint mike sometimes i think we should change the name of the sport from hockey to goalie because you can't win if you're not having the <laughs> goaltending thanks to this edition delivered by doordash All right, Mike, it's time for our daily face-off inbox question of the day. Hit us up on Twitter, hashtag AskDFO. We'd be happy to take your question. My question to you today, I want a gift. Give me one gift to describe the reaction in the Toronto market to no suspension coming for Taylor Hall, just a fine for his punch of Ilya Labushkin. Well, I had to dig in the archives and I went to one of my childhood favorites in Monty Python. And here's John Cleese of Monty Python. Are you quite sure you've got this right? And I can think of this being the deadpan response to the Toronto fans and marketplaces. How is Hall not get more? Than a fine. Well, to me, it didn't deserve more than a fine. I thought a two-minute minor was all it really should have had. I, tr- frankly, I'm not sure how Labushkin was injured that much from that play. I can't say I'm not in his shoes. I don't know. But to me, there's just this feeling of, really? Is this all we're going to get for a hurt player is a fine like that? Even though I don't personally agree with it. What about you, Frank? Yeah, I thought it was much ado about nothing. Like it seemed relatively innocuous. Like it wasn't even a punch. That's why I gave it the air quotes. It was kind of like a, I don't know, Will Smith slap. Is that too soon? For me, it's like, I'm going with the, you could have picked so many things from Anchorman, Steve Carell. I I was going to go with loud noises. Instead, it's, (laughs) I don't know what we're yelling about. I mean, that's really what it ends up coming down to because I don't, I don't know what all the yelling was about this you know, again, I've seen lots of consternation on social media. I feel like if it would, ha- if it happened with any other team, any other fan base, it certainly would not have been a big topic of conversation on Wednesday. Nonetheless, love to have a little fun, throw a little gif out there. Let's get to our daily face-off daily bet segment with Tyler Remchuk. Break even light last night. 
Yeah, break even night last night, but I've actually been on a bit of a roll. I went back and I did the math. In the last two weeks, I'm actually up 10 units. So we've pretty much almost broke even from my cold streak that lasted kind of six weeks in the last two weeks here. So that's certainly exciting. Uh, looking to have a profitable night and it's a busy night around the NHL. So I got a lot of plays starting with something I love doing. It is a parlay between two big favorites on uh, on the slate tonight. Uh, you got Colorado and Carolina starting with the abs are taking on a Sharks team that just lost to Arizona last night. The abs apparently can get Nathan McKinnon back in the lineup tonight as well. So that's a huge boost for them. They're clearly the better team. They're on home ice where they've been nearly unbeatable this season. This is a layup for the Avalanche. They should win this game in regulation. And I love the Canes and Reg as well. They've also been a fantastic home bet this season, 24-5-4. And, and they're going to have Freddie Anderson between the pipes when they host the Montreal Canadiens. Parlaying these two in regulation on points bet pays out plus 110. I also like taking the Calgary Flames on the puck line tonight at minus 115. And an interesting stat from Jonathan Davis at West Coast Hockey on Twitter. He pointed out that favorites of minus 200 or more playing a team who's on the second of back-to-backs are winning something crazy like 75% of the time. I think the Flames should be able to beat the Kings tonight. They just had a, they, uh, the Kings just played last night, went all the way to a shootout against the Oilers. The Flames are dynamite at home. I love the Flames on the puck line at minus 110. Moving over to my player props, and I actually have two of them, starting with Patrice Bergeron. Over half an assist is paying a rather juicy plus 130 here. They're taking on the Devils, who have allowed 19 goals against in their last five games. The only game where they didn't give up a good amount of goals was against the Canadians in their last one when the Habs only scored two. But Bergeron, this is a good bet here. Plus 130, top line player, top power play unit for the Bruins, and they're big favorites against the Devils. So plus 130 is a solid payout there. I'm also taking Jacob Slavin at one at plus 155. He's hit this mark just like Bergeron in three of his last five. The Canes are big favorites, should be able to get their offense going. So uh, those are the two assist props and then a couple of plays as well, including a parlay in terms of team betting. And that's what I got tonight, Frank. It's a lot on the slate. That's a guy who's been man on fire. Uh, you know, keep it rolling, Tyler. You, see, you love to see that when you're hot. Let's throw four bets out there, five bets out there, whatever it takes. Uh, love to see that from our daily face-off daily bet segment. Let's get to garbage time to close out the show. My favorite segment, Mike McKenna, the floor is yours. What's caught your eye? What's caught your attention from around the hockey world? Well, just a really tough break for Clayton Keller of the Arizona Coyotes last night. Really scary collision going into the boards and he stretchered off. You always look at this and, and worry, how is this going to affect a player? And after the game, and maybe it was this morning, but Keller tweeted, hey, I'm going to be back. I'm going to be better than ever. I'll be OK, which was a huge sigh of relief because he's been the best player in Arizona this season over the course of the year. 67 points in 63 games for a team that doesn't score an awful lot. He's got a new career high in goals at 28, and he's locked in for six more seasons on his contract with the Coyotes. He's a bedrock player for that franchise. And, you know, for me, Frank, the last couple of years have been a little down for him. I'd wondered, can he get back to that level? Well, he definitely has this year. He's been a big producer for them. He's got a great attitude and just hoping that it's a, a quick recovery for Clayton Keller and he can get back to doing what he can do next season on the ice for the Coyotes. 
Yeah, you hate to see that. Certainly not just the the scary and awkward collision, but for someone that, as you said, has had such a great year doubling up on last season's goal total with 28. Uh, when he's on a special player, and I think there was a lot of curiosity, could he get back to that level? He seemed like for a few years, like someone who was maybe lost in the desert there and, and might not be able to put it all back together again. That was a big bet by former GM John Chaika with that type of contract for Keller. And when he has a season like he is this year it can actually be a bargain contract as a point per game guy so uh best uh, best wishes to clayton keller as he begins the long road back to next season and opening night that'll do it for today's edition of the daily faceoff show thanks to mike mckenna tyler uremchuk our technical producer alex allard great to be back in the host chair we'll see you on friday 12 noon eastern you know where to find us until then keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news insight and analysis from around the nhl have a great day everyone Thanks for watching the Daily Face-Off Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. 
And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.